Our guest today is a marketing, media, and management professional. Get this, with nearly two decades of experience, but it's not just that. Primarily in media leadership, marketing, sports sales, marketing, and digital and emerging media. Man, that's a mouthful. He has experience in both large corporations and locally owned companies. That's something you always want to hear, right? It's like, oh, he can relate to me no matter what kind of company that you're in. Here's a list of his skills. Stand back. Team building, talent coaching, content development, sales and marketing solutions, demographic uh, market analysis, and branding strategies. All really important things in our business right now. Probably never been more important. This, this fellow, he also has over a decade experience, and I, I don't know if you're going to see this coming, in higher education. He taught undergraduate courses in radio production, radio procedures, and convergent media as a professor of communications. That's who we're going to be talking to. This sounds like exactly the kind of individual we like to talk to on our podcast. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. And by the way, you can always find individual episodes at RainmakerPathway.com. Just look for podcast. Our goal remains the same as it always is to encourage radio pros at all levels. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, look, you know, we have a fresh weekly episode featuring a, a radio pro active in our business each Sunday. This isn't about the past, not about talking about what radio used to be. That doesn't do us any good here. We're all about discovering what's working today, right now. To enjoy our podcast, you only have to be interested in others, open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career uh, better, more profitable, more successful. That's why we're here, right? Each week, we have an opportunity for you and for me to see a snapshot of an individual in our business. It allows us to see radio from maybe a different perspective, a different career arc than yours or mine, and hear how they're embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We call ourselves as RPC. Everyone in the radio business knows the old school approach, right? Every programming consultant in our business focuses on music, talent coaching, marketing, and those programming elements that are known to improve local radio brands except one consultant. The one exception does work on music, talent coaching, marketing, all those programming elements known to improve local radio brands, but also helps local radio owners and managers leverage those improvements for more sales, bigger revenue growth. In addition to on-air talent coaching, we also help local owners and managers with the talent they really worry about the most, their sales team. Even our name means Pathway to Money, Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. When we work with local radio clients and they follow our collaborative process, their revenue and their profit margin rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Do you have enough ideas to intrigue new clients, the ones you really want? Are your local radio stations really programmed, positioned, and updated to collect the most revenue in your market today, right now? 
Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? We can help. Schedule a meetup by email. First consultation is free and confidential, F-O-R-D, at RainmakerPathway.com. We're less than a minute from welcoming Tommy Castor, Vice President of Sales. Such a responsibility-laden title, Odyssey in Wichita. Now, a big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint, distributing our podcast. See what you, your sales manager, your individual sellers, your programmers, and personalities can get for absolutely free on our website regularly. Our free blog section is there with over a thousand articles of encouragement, and we're developing more every single week for you, including our encouraging sales success series for sellers and our more than live and local series. Now, let's turn to our guest. Tommy, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I'm great, Lloyd. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. I've been so excited since I've been looking at, at your career history. It's like, man, but before, before I can get into any of that, let's do before radio. I want to ask you about kind of first impressions, right? Can you tell us about the first experience you had as a radio listener that you can remember? What was that like for you? Yeah, I wasn't a kid that grew up really listening to the radio. I did a little bit, um, but it wasn't really until I was in high school. Uh, And I remember setting my alarm every morning uh, to get up and go to school. And I had the alarm set on the legendary KFDI here in Wichita, which has been around for forever, for a long time. And at the time, the morning show host was a a personality by the name of Cornbread. Uh, Cornbread went on to do mornings in St. Louis for a number of years. I believe he's retired now, Uh, but I would listen to him every single morning. I wasn't even a country music fan, uh, and I I still am really not to this day, Uh, but I listened because he was so entertaining and so funny. And uh, I just remember thinking, man, if I don't even like this music, but I want to listen to this guy every single morning, he must be doing something right. I think it is about cornbread because some people won't know him. Some people will because they've experienced that show. What do you think it is about cornbread? What, what went wrong there? Why is he so entertaining? You know? Yeah, I think he just had this really unique way of of communicating and connecting with his audience. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and there were people that, you know, are are just diehard fans of his. And uh, it didn't matter, you know, what he was doing. It didn't matter if there was a contest going on, if he was talking about uh, the latest news in Nashville, whatever it was, he had a unique way of delivering that information and really connecting with the audience. And so I know that when he left Wichita, there was a pretty solid uh, and sizable hole in the market. And uh, man, he was he was definitely influential in this market for a long time. I always feel like the more unique a personality is, the more we can learn from them. Not to become like them, but to learn that that uniqueness is really special and important. Now, look, you told us that you weren't really into radio until high school. Let's talk about the first time you took a job in the radio business. Where was that and who did the hiring? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I I started in college. I went to a small private college about an hour outside of Wichita um, called Southwestern College. It's about 10 minutes away from the Oklahoma border. 
And I had no desire when I went to college to even get into the radio industry uh, or broadcasting at all. That was never the goal when I first went off to college. Um, I loved entertaining. And I think that's why I liked cornbread so much. I, I just liked entertainment. And I actually had a dream at the time that I wanted to become an actor. And I wanted to, the ultimate goal was to be on Saturday Night Live, uh, or I wanted to be the next Jim Carrey or something like that. And so I went to this school to study acting. And so I became a, a theater major. Uh, I got a scholarship to study theater. And it took me about a week to realize that that was not what I wanted to do for a living. And so I had no idea uh, what direction I was going to take. Didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I might transfer schools. I knew I was going to uh, change my major. And I had a friend at the school that said, hey, uh, there's an opening on the college radio station uh, to be a DJ. Would you like to give that a try? And I thought, no, I don't really think that's something I want to do. And he kind of convinced me that I should give it a shot. Uh, and so I applied and, and I, I got the volunteer position on the college radio station. Once a week, I got to be on the radio. And the very first time I turned on the microphone, it, it was like, I, that's what I've been waiting for. Uh, and that's what I had been meant to do my entire life. It was just natural. Uh, and I'm sure I was terrible, as everybody is, uh, but I loved it. And I'm the kind of person that when there's something like that that I find, I pour myself into it. And I just, I, it, it just went from there. Um, I changed my major to communications uh, and broadcasting. I started studying radio. Uh, and I knew that I wanted to get some professional experience. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I I started kind of there in college. All right. So listen, you know, here he had that first job, you know, and it paid just about like beginning radio jobs pay. You know, <clears throat> I just want to speak with admiration about your attempts to stay away from the radio business. Nope, that's not for me that, you know, the first instinct kind of thing. But then they dragged you in. So here you are. Was it a goal of yours, you think, early on to become a programmer, or was it a goal of yours to maybe get into management and then make your way to the big chair, the market manager role? Originally, it was programming. That was kind of my bread and butter. Uh, I loved being on the air, but I think that everybody kind of knows their limitations. And I think that's an important thing to know. Uh, I think it's great to know your strengths, but I think it's also great to know your weaknesses. And I knew Wait, that I isn't, isn't isn't that a Clint Eastwood thing? A man's got to know his limits. Yes, yeah, it might be. I knew that I loved being on the air, but I, I also knew that that would only take me so far. Uh, once I, I got into the, the industry and I um, I interned at Intercom in Wichita and I was around a lot of different people and I, I realized, OK, I like being on the air. It's a lot of fun but I'm gonna to need to learn how to do some other things if I wanna make a career out of this. And so programming was you know, definitely the path uh, originally. When I graduated from college, that was the same year that the economy crashed back in 2008 and I couldn't find a job. And so I had the opportunity to go back to school and to get my master's degree. And when I did that, I decided that I was going to study management and leadership and business. And as I went through that process, I thought, okay, programming is great and I love doing it, but there could be an opportunity down the road, maybe far down the road, you know, that I could get into a market leadership role or something like that. 
Uh, and I really started to kind of lean on those skills that I learned when I was getting my master's. You're making my head melt a little bit. You know, we had that moment where you're like, I thought I want to be like Jim Carrey, which by the way is like, you have to write a check for $10 million to put in your wallet. I don't know if you heard that story about him. It's like, you can tell the universe what you want. Now, you just told me, I think that somebody in the radio business has a master's degree. I think you just said that, right? I did. Yes, that's correct. Yes. And we're talking to him. So look, my information, my real information for you begins as program director of Channel 96.3 in Wichita. You did this job for a decade. I want to know, how did you become the program director there? I was at the right place at the right time, honestly. Uh, I had started to work for Clear Channel, obviously now iHeartMedia. Uh, mm -hmm. I started to work for them while I was getting my master's degree. And uh, they had a, a part-time opening. And so I would go to school and I from Wichita and, and um, for my master's. And then on the weekends, I would drive an hour to Wichita and I would be a board op or I would do a weekend show or I would go work a remote. Uh, and so I did that part-time with Clear Channel while I was getting my master's degree. As soon as I got done with my master's, they happened to have a full-time opening and I was kind of a utility guy in the building for a while. I think they called me assistant program director, uh, but it wasn't for the top 40 station. It was for another one of our stations in the building and I did everything. I did severe weather and I did traffic reports and like I mentioned, remote work and board op work and you know did that in a full-time capacity. And then Clear Channel, it would have been in, in 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Uh, mm -hmm. They went through one of their restructurings and and all of that. And people, you know, know all about that. And I oh, yes. was, I, I, I stayed. I, I was not one of the ones that got cut. The program director of Channel 963 was one of them that unfortunately lost his job in one of those restructurings. And they decided to make me program director. I was 25. I had never been a program director before. Uh, didn't know what I was doing, um, but it was it, it was baptism by fire uh, for that for that radio station. I could just see them in a behind the doors kind of meeting and go, well, "We we should give it to the guy with the master's degree." Maybe, maybe they did that. I don't know. Right. The next few questions, and I don't want people to get all turned around here because this was interesting for me to kind of look through what your history looks like. The next few questions involve career highlights that most radio pros don't have, but you do. We might call these jobs additional to your daytime career. I, that's how I see it. Maybe that's not true. You become the coordinator of digital admission communication. Now, where was this? What did that involve? Yeah, so that was at my alma mater. It was Southwestern College. And this was in the infancy of digital marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. which we all know now is just a powerhouse, uh, but we're talking 2008, 2009. Uh, right. So this was, you know, Twitter was just launching and the the advent of digital marketing, nobody really knew exactly what that meant. Uh, but while I was getting my master's degree, the, the college um, offered me a job. And that was actually how I ended up getting my master's degree. They offered me a job because I couldn't find a full-time job in radio at the time because of the recession. Uh, they offered me a position to be able to work in their admissions office and help recruit students to the college by using digital marketing. And uh, by doing that, 
they allowed me to get my master's for free. I didn't have to pay anything for it. And so that was a great opportunity for me. I learned a lot about the early days of digital marketing while I was yes. able to get my master's. Uh, look, this was like, I mean, this is like on the job training. You were getting a lot of experience and, you know, always look for me. I always look at 2007 as the tip off to the real 21st century because you get the iPhone, you get Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all, all those things come in rapid succession, right? Um, Southwestern College, you're a working professor at this college, but it's really more, you're, you're also the professor of communication program coordinator for KSWCFM. That's the college radio station. Now, now listen, Tommy, you did this for 11 years. How did it begin? And what did you get out of the experience? And how much of it did you do while you were an active program director for this other company? Yeah, I, it was, um, I was very blessed and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to do both simultaneously. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, it's my alma mater. That's where I went to school. It's where I got yeah. my start in the business. So it was about an hour away from Wichita. And my, my bosses um, at Clear Channel at the time, they were more than happy to allow me once a week to drive from Wichita. I'd moved back to Wichita, obviously the program director of Channel 963, to drive down an hour down to Winfield, Kansas once a week and teach radio courses. And the college uh, was willing to allow me to do that once a week as well. When I graduated with my bachelor's degree and around the time I was getting my master's, the professor that had taught me had left and they needed somebody to teach the radio courses and they didn't have anybody in mind. And they asked me if I would do it. And I was 22. Uh, I was right out of college myself. It was the same courses that I had been a student in the year prior. And here I am teaching them and lecturing and all of that. And I, I stuck on and I did it for 11 years. Um, and I, I'm sure I was terrible, you know, the first couple of years. Um, but as I did it a few different times, I was able to kind of pick up on it. But the real world experiences working at Clear Channel iHeart, I was able to utilize a lot of that and bring that down with my students every week when I would when I would teach. Had to be pretty incredible to be like one foot in one and one foot in the other. Look, th this next turn is really fascinating. Uh, this next turn finds us in 2018. You become, and I quote, general manager slash programming, unquote. This appears to involve programming and sales. Can you go deep and tell us about you and this job? How did this job develop? So I've been with iHeart for uh, about 10 years, and I had really enjoyed my time, and I had really learned a lot. Uh, I was extremely grateful for the opportunity to be the program director for the top 40 station in Wichita. And I had so many incredible experiences, um, made a ton of amazing relationships with the company, uh, with folks in the company, people outside the company, other programmers. Uh, I loved programming. That was something that I had developed into. I'm in my early thirties at this point. And there comes a point I think in everybody's career where you kind of know when it's time to move on. And I had started feeling that uh, maybe about a year prior. 
and that it was time to move on. And to this day, I have a ton of respect for the company and the people within the company. And like I mentioned, great relationships with them, but I knew it was time to move on. And I had been presented with an opportunity to stay in Wichita, uh, but to join a local company uh, that had recently entered into the Wichita market, uh, a company by the name of Rocking M Media. And mm -hmm. Rocking M Media, they had been, uh, they had owned radio stations in Western Kansas, and they had expanded into Wichita. And they had approached me about coming over and working for them. Uh, they they said, hey, why don't you become a general manager? You know, you have a lot of experience in programming. Uh, we think that you would be great to lead our organization. And so I accepted that opportunity and uh, was with them for about a year and learned a lot in, in that in that situation, in that uh, particular position. Um, again, it was kind of baptism by fire. It was drinking out of a water, kind of learning how to be, you know, in market leadership. Well, and and look, they had four radio stations. What were the four formats? Because I'd be interested to see if they presented challenges for you too. They did. They did. And they were formats that were unique. They were formats mm -hmm. that uh, needed uh, needed some direction, I would say. And, uh, you know, one of them was a country station, um, but it, it, there's an influx of you know, country stations in this market. In fact, I would almost say there's an oversaturation of country formats in the Wichita market. So that was a challenge. And it was one that was not one of the market leaders. Uh, right. Bob, FM, Bob FM was one in the market. That was probably the most successful format that they had. There was a AAA station, which AAA hadn't been done in this in this market in a long time. So there were challenges yes. there. And then there was kind of an urban contemporary station and that hadn't been done in this market for a long time. So there were some programming challenges that presented themselves. Uh, and, and there were some things that, you know, we tried to do. And, you know, I was only there for a short period of time, uh, but tried to do what I could in that time to help them out. Well, I just want to see all your salespeople selling those different formats. Yeah. <laughs> it's it kind of an interesting mix, if you say. Now, now, look, this is where we enter a very interesting time in your career. Things are going well. The economy looks good. You become, wait till you hear this, guys, Chief Operating Officer at Allied Media Partners. This is very exciting. Uh, and it's also just before COVID fun. So as I mentioned, I was working for Rocking M Media, uh, and I'd been mm -hmm. with them for about a year. And I think that there was a pretty strong indication that it wasn't working uh, you know, with, with the ownership. And... Uh, I was approached about an opportunity to buy these radio stations in Wichita from Rockingham Media. And the pitch that I had heard was, you know this market extremely well. You've been in programming for a long time. Uh, you've, you've won at a high level. Uh, you've, you've achieved strong ratings, all these different things. Why don't you come on board and run everything operational for this company as we attempt to buy these radio stations from Rocking M Media? And at that point, I had I had thought back to my days in, in, in getting my education and getting my master's degree in management and leadership. And I thought, okay, this could be potentially an opportunity to you know, come in and be an owner or a part owner 
of radio stations in a market like Wichita. And then who knows where things can go from there. And so I accepted and then Rockingham Media accepted the offer to sell those radio stations to Allied Media Partners, in which I was the chief operating officer of. So we took over those radio stations under an LMA uh, and Mm -hmm. operated them uh, and their staff and the formats and all of that for about six months. And it was an extremely stressful time. I learned learned a ton uh, about um, the acquisition process, and I probably spent more time in um, a lawyer's office than I ever want to do ever again. Um, as the negotiations went on and we attempted to try to close the sale. Uh, unfortunately, there were some things that came up in the due diligence process that made the, the closing of the sale um, unlikely at best. And so at that point, um, about after about six months in with the LMA, um, the sale did not close. And at that point, and it was, I think it was September or October of 2019, I found myself completely out of the radio industry. Um, Rockingham, okay. Rockingham left the market. Allied Media Partners did not close the sale. And I found myself on the beach for the first time in my career. Okay, so let's talk about that because you did something interesting. The first thing I want to ask you is I'm going to put a marker right there with this Allied Media Partners. Dude, are you an entrepreneur? I th- I thought I was at the time. Yeah, I really thought that I was. I don't know if today I would consider myself that because I think that there are really unique traits that an entrepreneur has to yes. And I, at the time, thought, well, this is great. I can work for myself and mm-hmm. I set my own boundaries and my my own schedule and my own expectations. And I don't answer to anybody and and all of that. Um, and it's, huh. it's great, but it's also extremely stressful. And so I had a few years of of operating as an entrepreneur. Um, I don't know. There, there's something about the security of of not being responsible for an entire organization yourself, um, because it, that can kind of be a lonely a, a lonely situation. No question. And I'm listening to you talk about setting your own boundaries, which is the only thing you can't do. Uh, so you can't set your own boundaries and you work for everybody, not just a few people. Of course, we always today we work for everybody anyway. 2021, you take this break from your broadcasting. You actually became a part of the Wichita Thunder. For those who don't know, what is the Wichita Thunder? Yeah, so the Wichita Thunder is the professional hockey franchise in Wichita. Uh, they are the double A affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, and have been around in this market for 30 plus years. Um, It's the the longest uh, continuously operating professional sports franchise in Wichita. And I was grateful to have the opportunity to be their vice president of marketing. Uh, It it was something that I I had never worked outside of the media industry uh, before then. And I didn't know that I could. And I I was able to, and it was actually a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed uh, that time that I spent with that organization. How did they identify you as the person that would be their leadership for VP of sales and marketing? You know, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, I think that when everything kind of fell apart with Allied Media Partners, and I found myself uh, not working in the industry, um, 
I really had to take a good hard look at myself and my career and figure mm-hmm. out, okay, if, if, if radio is not going to be the future for me, then what is? And again, I go back to what I had said before when I was in, um, when I was in college and I found radio for the first time, like I said, I pour myself into everything that I do. And so, you know, I, I was able to talk with the Wichita Thunder. They liked my background in media. They liked my background in, um, you know, ticket sales. And I had worked with concerts before and helped promote shows to bring people to the venues in Wichita. They thought I knew the market well, the audience well, demographics and all of that. And when the opportunity presented itself, I thought, okay, uh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it 100% of the way. And when I joined and when I started working for that organization, I got to tell you, Lloyd, really, I never thought that I would be back in radio. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pour myself into the sports industry. Maybe there's something here that I could do long term. Uh, That was really something that I kind of thought it was going to be the second act of my career. Well, it's really interesting. You seem to always understand the value of sales. Am I reading that wrong or am I picking up on something that's important with Tommy Castor? No, I think that that's extremely important. Um, I mean, obviously, if the revenue is not there in any organization, it's not going to be sustainable. Uh, It doesn't matter. You could have the most incredible brands. You could have the best personalities. uh, You could have the best hockey team, you know, as I'm working in that industry. You can have all of that, but if you don't have the revenue, if you don't have the corporate partnerships, uh, if you don't have a strong advertising base and a great relationship in the community with those advertisers, you're you're not going to be successful. And so you absolutely have to be uh, sales friendly. You absolutely have to understand the value of that. I think there are too many times with programmers that they just say, my job is the ratings. That's all that matters. My job is the mm. That's all that matters. I do my job. I stay in my lane. If you're in sales, you do yours. And I think that's a mistake. I think the best programmers have an incredibly sales foundation. And I think some of the best, the best sellers understand the value of great content. Branding for sure. So now I know I have to I have to tread lightly here because of what you said earlier about that experience, you know, as an entrepreneur, it appears to me that you have a risk-taking side of your personality. Don't hurt me. You're not just teaching or even working in media. You're willing to jump in, as you say, really go all in, learn and grow a new business. That appears to be what you did in 2019. You became the co-owner and senior partner of AMP Digital Innovations, which is really interesting to me. Here you are in the digital lane, okay? Tell us about that adventure, what was involved, and what you learned about the importance of digital. Yeah, so going back to what I had mentioned a few minutes ago, when the sale of those radio stations fell through and I found myself on the beach, Uh I didn't know what I was going to do. And it was before I went and joined the Wichita Thunder. That was a couple of years later. Oh, okay. Um, and, and I, so that was in 2021 when I joined the Wichita Thunder in 2019. That's right. Immediately following when the sale of those radio stations fell through, uh, I, again, didn't know what I was going to do. And I got a LinkedIn message one day, and it was about a month after the, the radio station fail, uh, sale fell through. I got a LinkedIn message from 
uh, a guy by the name of Gary Rosnick. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Rosnick, but mm -hmm. Gary was a part of Maverick Media uh, for a long time. I, I believe he was the CEO of Maverick Media, owned radio stations for a long period of time, was with Connoisseur, the, the original Connoisseur Media Absolutely. back in the 90s. I didn't know Gary. I had never heard of him before. Uh, he had sent me a, a LinkedIn message, and he said that he had been following the story of us trying to purchase these radio stations. And he said, I may have an opportunity for you. Uh, at that point, he was a partner of Vici Media, uh, which is a digital media um, provider. And they were based in Philadelphia. And he talked to me and he said, would you be interested in selling digital marketing? And I said, I don't know. I've never done that before. And he mm -hmm. said, well, why don't we talk about that? And why don't we, we see if that's something that you might be interested in? So I brought on a, a dear friend of mine and we talked with him together. And after speaking with him, we decided this might be a, a good opportunity. This might be something where we have to build a, a digital agency from the ground up. We didn't know a whole lot about digital marketing. We were both on the radio side. And we decided again to pour ourselves all into that. So we did that uh, through the height of the pandemic. We tried to grow this business and we I'm very proud of where we got. We quickly, not quickly, but about a year and a half in, we learned that this business that we had built probably suited us both better as a, a side gig. And that mm -hmm. was where the Wichita Thunder came around uh, and they, they brought me on full time there. I was still able to do that um, digital marketing agency on the side, but I got great experience in learning the value of digital marketing um, pitching digital marketing, fulfillment of digital marketing, uh, all the different platforms, the ever-evolving world of that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. It's so crazy. I mean, you look at the, the swirl of things that you're doing, uh, some quite entrepreneurial. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about the difference in working with digital and digital sales outside of radio and inside the radio business? Absolutely. I think that the combination of radio and digital together can be unbeatable. I, I truly believe that. I do when, too. I, when I had my own digital agency, there were a lot of times that it was hard for me to even get in the door with potential clients because they don't know me. I'm just a guy selling digital. But when you've got the power of radio brands behind you, in some cases, iconic radio brands, those radio brands can get you in the door when maybe otherwise you weren't, you weren't going to be getting in the door. So if you're able to utilize those strong radio stations and the connection to the community and, and all of that, and then be able to introduce digital after you're able to get in the door with radio, I think that's an unstoppable combination. I, I do too. And, uh, you know, this, this idea that radio is so mature, it, it, it is exactly what you said. You have iconic brands that people know you can get in the door. This, this goes to something I say all the time where I say, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. It doesn't mean stay one dimensional. It means you can do whatever you want. You can get whatever you want. Maybe um, maybe we talk about this. How do you pull all of this experience together to be a killer sales manager? And what makes a great sales manager today, Tommy? 
So really, my very first opportunity um, of really truly leading a sales team was at the Wichita Thunder. I mean, I had my digital agency. It was a, a side business, but I'm working for myself. I don't really have a team of sales professionals that are, are working for me directly. And I learned a lot about being a sales-focused manager at that position. Um, and, you know, I'd been a program director, so I had led people before, but not, not in a sales uh, not in a sales situation, but with the Wichita Thunder, you know, it was all about driving revenue. It was about selling tickets. And, and I did marketing for them also, but it was leading a sales team. And I think that what's extremely important uh, for sales managers, and honestly, I think this kind of ex extends beyond just the confines of media. I think you can look at this uh, as a sales manager in any industry, is that the way that your sellers get from point A to point B doesn't really matter. All that matters is that you're giving them the tools to get from point A to point B. You, you can't expect everybody to do things the exact same way and have success. You've got to be willing to really work with your sellers and figure out what their strengths are, what works well for them, and then really lean into that. Uh, so you can have salespeople that do a variety of different things, but as long as they're producing, that's the most important thing. And I think there are far too many organizations and far too many sales leaders that are, they want to pigeonhole their salespeople and say, okay, this is the way that we do things. You've got to do this and this and this and this and this to have success. And I understand best practices and I'm okay with that. If there are things that work, great, Let, let's teach those things. But you also have to give your sellers the freedom to be able to produce on their terms. And I think that, that that works out a lot in the business. I think that, you know, especially in today's world, there are probably a lot of sellers out there that maybe cold calling isn't the way that they're going to have a lot of success. Maybe they can find their business through LinkedIn. Maybe they can find their business through uh, a whole variety of different other methods. So I think that you have to be willing to actually work individually with your sellers to find the best strategy that works for them. Well, I mean, it's like, coaching a great morning show or great talent, you know, there's a couple of different approaches, right? You've got a lot of programmers who will want to turn them into something they've heard. You got to do it this way. No, you got to do it. It's got to sound like this, you know, and then there's the other approach, which is finding out what's special about that person and letting them lead with that so that they can blossom as an individual and scale really. So I love this conversation because I don't hear it as much as I would like. I do hear a lot with, with consulting clients um, and with radio in general, where there's an awful lot of putting things in boxes and you have to work like this and it has to work like this. And what ends up happening is some people quit. They quit. And they don't quit because they don't want to do the job. They quit because... They don't feel listened to. They don't feel appreciated. And I just think in the 21st century now, employment and employers, it's just a little different. If you want to be really successful, you have to open up and be nimble, right? So, look, I love this story of you. You have such a deep history in Wichita uh, you, you must have incredible relationships just because you've touched so many different things. 
I know things about Wichita that I bet you know people I know in Wichita because good God almighty what you're doing. Uh, look, you, you must have a strong ability to present. You must have certainly a strong ability to teach. You've got this programming background. You've done the digital thing. You've done sports marketing. I mean, this is crazy maniac stuff. You've got all these different experiences that are incredible. You seem to always bring your passion with those experiences. Is that is that your secret? Yeah. I mean, I think that passion is the most important driver that somebody can have in any industry. If you're not passionate about what you do, then you ought to be looking for something else to do as opposed to punching a clock and collecting a paycheck because you, you, the bottom line is that the passion that you have in your chosen career field, uh, while, it, while it shouldn't define you, I think that there are other things in life that you know are more important than what you do for a living. I do think that you have to have a healthy amount of passion for that. Uh, and, you know, look, it, it's been a, a winding journey for me in 20 years. Uh, I was really blessed to have a decade of stability with iHeartMedia. And the last five or six years, it's been a roller coaster. There have been ups, there have been downs. I thought I was going to get to be an owner of a group of radio stations in my in my hometown. And that right. didn't really happen. And then I had to find a way to reinvent myself and try to find something else that I was passionate about. And so I, I was really blessed to do that. And like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I had no intention of, of getting back into radio full-time capacity. Uh, the opportunity just presented itself. And here I am, and I'm back with my first love. You know, I'm back in the industry that uh, 20 years ago, I couldn't get enough of. And I'm hopeful that I have um, even more stability and long-term success uh, with, with Odyssey. Um, you know, I told the, the folks that hired me, I said, I hope to retire here. I hope I hope this is where I can spend the rest of my career because I yeah. do think that you know passion is obviously incredible, but I I don't think that you can put a price tag on stability. And and after the last five or six years of my career, I'm ready for stable, and, and I, I think I can get that. Well, Tommy, I'm going to say something else about your success. Your success really comes from not the things that come easy to you, but the fact that you are willing to stand back up when you get slugged. That's it. That's life too, right? I mean, I'm sure you have this conversation with sellers. You go, look, you're going to go out there. You're going to get rejection. So what? Get up, go back, go back, go see them again, go see somebody else. Go. How can you creatively get out from under whatever the resistance is, right? Tell me about um, tell me about recruitment. How do you recruit sellers today? Uh, do you enjoy that process? Uh, uh, when does it overcome you where you're like, oh, I need to do some recruiting here? Well, I think you always have to do recruiting. I think that you yes. you need to have a, a deep bench of, of people at all times. Um, I think that radio in general over the last, gosh, I don't know, 15, 20 years, probably ever since I entered the industry, has honestly done a pretty poor job of developing talent. Uh, yes. I, I really believe that. And I think that you've got people, I was, I feel like I was maybe one of the last 
uh, waves of people that kind of come up in the traditional way. You go to college for radio, get an internship at a local radio station, hope you get a job, work your way up the totem pole and stay in the industry. I, I just don't think that that happens quite as much anymore. I think that you have to try to find ways to get creative. I know that from a, a programming point of view and an on-air talent point of view, I know there are a lot of programmers and companies that they look for local influencers. That's kind of the way they go out to try to find new talent now. It's not the old traditional right. way going to the colleges and doing career fairs and that, you know, that sort of and, thing. But what about your sellers though? Yeah. Because sellers, that's a different kind of recruitment. I, I think that it's the, I think that it's almost, um, at least in my market, I don't know about everywhere. I think it's almost worse because probably in a lot of markets, there are really experienced and seasoned media sellers that have been doing it for a long time. They're really good at the radio side of it. Uh, and they have a lot of the large accounts that they've been handling for the last 30 years. And it makes yes. it really hard for new people, younger people to break into the industry. They, they're there for six months, nine months, a year. They hustle, they work their butts off, but they can, they can never really get a stranglehold. And then they end up leaving and they go and they do something else. Uh, and so my very first responsibility as the VP of sales uh, at Odyssey was to hire a new salesperson. And I had to go outside of the industry. I had to find somebody that had not worked in the industry before because there just wasn't anybody, at least in Wichita, that I knew of that I could go after uh, that was ready to take on that role. So I had to find somebody that had worked in the banking industry, had worked in the automotive industry. That I had to go outside of that. And at least they had a sales background. But I think that the industry has to do a much better job of developing talent, recruiting, and having a deep bench for long-term. Absolutely. Now, look, we we always like to ask our guests this one question that I think a lot of people think about, and a lot of people think about it a lot. No one knows the future, but if you had the power to craft the future the way you would want it to look, what do you think the future of local radio should look like? I wholeheartedly believe that radio creates a connection with its audience, unlike any other platform that has ever existed or probably will ever exist. Uh, it is an industry that is a survivor. It has survived everything over the years, all the way back to the advent of television 80 years ago. Uh, it, it has always survived, and I believe that it will always survive. I think the question is, can it continue to thrive? And I think it is going to take a lot of work. I think it's going to take a lot of dedicated people, a lot of passionate people, a lot of people who love the connection that radio makes with its audience, the impact that radio can make with its advertisers. Uh, and I really, truly believe that in the future, if if I if it were my way, if I were able to really dictate the way that things went long term in this industry, I would really hope that owners out there, whether it's a large company or a locally owned radio group, I would hope that they understand that leaning on talent, sales talent, programming talent, on-air talent, engineering talent, uh, whatever it is, support staff talent, leaning on your local people 
is the way to make sure that this industry continues to survive and thrive. Uh, because there are so many ideas that people on local staffs have that can be absolute game changers. A lot of times those ideas don't come from the very top. They come from the people on the front lines. They come from the part-time on-air personality, or they come from mm -hmm. the executive or the receptionist or you know the board op or whoever it is. And if the people in charge are willing to truly listen to them and listen about these ideas on how to connect with the community, how to drive ratings, how to drive revenue, I think that's going to make this industry a whole lot better long term. You know, Americans are so mobile, right? We are so mobile that remember during the pandemic, they were saying, don't go out. You know, they couldn't stop people from going and doing things because we're Americans. I think that's one of the great things about local radio is that we're that local connector with what's mobile. They're coming to you. Why? Because radio told them to. Tommy, thank you for spending this time with us and being such a great guest. I really appreciate it, Lloyd. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, please don't take for granted what we're doing here. Help us by sharing this episode of our podcast. You can do this directly from our website, RainmakerPathway.com. It's in the free blog section. You can share this with others. You just go up and just take the little, you know how to do this. And you just copy the link, share it with somebody in email, share it with somebody in text, however you want to do it. Uh, and it can really make a difference uh, for us, for them, for everybody. This episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed exactly like our 150 plus other episodes. It's designed to encourage radio pros at all levels. So when you subscribe to our podcast, you're going to get all these episodes you can pick and choose from. You can listen on demand anytime that you want. We want to thank our special guest today, Tommy Castor, Vice President of Sales odyssey wichita you can bet he's got all these relationships so like if you need something in wichita this has got to be your dude you call first right a very special thank you to joe kelly for producing our podcast and just joeproductions.com for creating our audio footprint distributing the encouragers the radio rally podcast please listen very closely we say this all the time on our podcast i say it to clients regularly once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. Please, if you want to know what I mean about this philosophy and how it works, call me. I believe that radio can be larger than most people think. And I absolutely love to prove it again and again. No one stops you with great strategy, solid process, and a commitment along with passionate execution. If you don't remember anything else from this podcast episode, remember this, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio.